When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today is Spy Wednesday, and we're going to talk a little bit about one of the most enigmatic characters in the Bible. Now, Judas, don't you come too close. I'm afraid what I might see. The traitors look upon your face. You look too much like me. That's one of my favorite songs about Judas uh, by Michael Card and lots of others are out there. Judas is a fascinating figure in spiritual stuff and just in uh, the way we think about human relationships. He's often projected upon in the sense that we often ascribe to him motives that no one in the story ever says he has. Because he's such a mystery, why does he do what he does? The motive over and over again in John's gospel is for money. It's as simple as that. He gets for Jesus pretty much what Joseph's brothers got for him when they sold him into enslavement with the Midianite traders. And he gets some money for it. Whether he has other motives, whether he's trying to jumpstart the revolution, whether he's become disillusioned with Jesus and wants him dead, um, it is almost impossible to know because Judas isn't here to tell us anymore. Judas, immediately after he realizes what he has done, he gives the money back, throws it back at the uh, leaders that he is that have given it to him, and he goes out and hangs himself. Um, his suicide, both pointing to his disturbed state and also um, to the extreme measures that he is willing to go. But Judas is part of the twelve disciples. He is in the inner circle. He is not a stranger to Jesus. Only a friend can betray a friend. A stranger has nothing to gain. And only a friend comes close enough to ever cause so much pain. That's another Michael Card song. A different one. The psalm that we read, Psalm 55, it's one of the most chilling and personal psalms in the Bible. My friend has betrayed me, the one that broke bread with me. Um, This is the psalm that is associated with Judas and what he has done. The nature of the relationship between Jesus and Judas is never a bad one. There's no indication that they didn't get along or anything that we might imagine. But it does say in John, and it says elsewhere, that it was the devil that had already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. This is the consistent message of the Bible, is that Judas was overcome by the devil. It was the devil's idea. It was the devil 
that made him do it. And we, yet we know that it's more complex than that, just as it is for us. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we let our friends down in their moment of need? Why do we do, things, do the same sort of things that Judas does? Um, it is much more complicated than simply the devil. Judas had opened the door a long time ago, and it seems like the place that he opened the door to the devil was in the way he was stealing money from the common purse. That's another allegation that John brings against him, that his secret siphoning off of funds for his own personal gain, all the while saying it was for the poor, for the poor, for the poor, um, that is where Satan also entered Judas. But we have this last scene between Judas and Jesus, the last scene before the kiss. He's betrayed with a kiss. All this points to the closeness of the relationship, not the distance of it. In verse 21 of John 13, Jesus is very troubled in spirit. Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. He says, this is where the great Episcopalian comic Robin Williams came up with his routine. Is it me, Jesus? Is it me, Jesus? Uh, Also went into TikTok fame with that line. Um, And it's kind of a weird scene because all the disciples are like, is it me? Is it I? Is it I? And Judas, is it I? Um, you know, and then Jesus makes it clear. Um, he says, the one who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me, quoting again from the Old Testament. Um, I tell you this now before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Um, this, um, and then it says, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. The one, um, and then this is also John reclining at at Jesus' breast. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? They still don't know. Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. There is only one mention of bread at the Last Supper. And that is um, right here, of anyone eating bread. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a little different way of talking about it. But um, the only bread that is eaten in the story, the way it's written, is by Judas. And it's it's not a bread of blessing like the Eucharist is in the other other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in John, the bread that is eaten is a curse. It is the bread of cursing. It is the bread that is dipped in the dish, either in the bitter herbs or the sweet herbs, most likely the bitter herbs of the Passover meal, symbolizing the hardship that they suffered in Egypt in enslavement. He dips it in the dish and gives it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And then when it says, when Judas receives the piece of bread, 
Satan enters him. We believe when we take the Eucharist, when we take communion, that Jesus enters us. We believe that he is present in the bread and the wine, and when we receive it in faith, that spiritual presence becomes part of our spiritual presence. And that spiritual reality becomes part of our spiritual reality. We receive Jesus into our bodies in the Eucharist by eating and drinking. That is the reception, that is the act of faith that we do. And here we have the opposite of that happening. As Judas eats this bread, Satan enters him. This character that that is referred to at the beginning of chapter 13 is the devil, slightly different terminology for the same character. This time it's Satan enters him, or the Satan, as many have put it. And so Jesus then says to him, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. This line has come uh, down to us, I think, and I think of it a lot. If somebody's going to do something bad to me, do it quickly. Get it over with. <laughs> don't, don't drag it out. Jesus says that to Judas. If you're going to do this, do it quickly. It seems that it, Judas still has some sort of agency, even though Satan has entered him. Um, this is also Judas doing this. This is not Satan taking over a robot Judas or something like that. Judas and Satan's wills are aligned. They are in sync. And Judas is doing this and Satan is doing this. And Jesus says, if you're going to do it, do it quickly. Get it over with. And this is where John tells us that he is siphoning off money from the common purse. As soon as he receives the bread, he disappears and it is night. Many people hold up the fact that Judas received the communion. It's, it's hard to know um, whether he does. The only time it says that he does here in John is that he doesn't. He receives the bread of cursing or condemnation. Um, this bread, this reception of the bread, this act of eating the bread that Jesus gives him is the reverse of faith. It is the, is the bread of, of uh, doing damage and betrayal. Um, and it kind of points to the fact that in every Eucharistic meal that we take in church, we are sort of doing one or the other. Um, we are either discerning the body of Christ, discerning that God loves us and know, knowing that and knowing that we love each other and need to learn how to love other people the way that God loves us. We need to learn how to forgive other people the way God forgives us. Um, that is what St. Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians, that if you don't discern the body of Christ, both in the bread and also in the congregation in which you're receiving it, you are eating and drinking damnation unto yourself. We don't read those words every Sunday, as some churches do, um, mainly because we know that our consciences are sometimes weak and sometimes we worry too much and we wonder if we're doing what's right and we don't want to do something wrong. And uh, for a number of reasons, we don't read those warning passages. Um, and, and, and so that possibility 
is real that Paul writes about, the possibility that we could take communion um, in, with, with, um, without discerning the body of Christ in the communion and in the community around us and eat and drink condemnation to ourselves like Judas does here. Um, Judas is an apostle doing this. Um, and so are we. We are Christians. When we fail to discern the body of Christ, both around us in the community and in the Eucharist, we are a lot like Judas in this moment. Um, the, the warnings about communion are not about non-Christians taking communion. They're not about people that don't go to church and people that aren't Christian or not baptized or ever taking communion. That's not what the warnings about communion are in the Bible. They're about us. They're about Christians taking communion. That's where the warnings come in. And this is not to somehow have a conscience and a mind that constantly doubts ourselves. We are brought into the community of Christ because of what God has done for us, not through anything we've done. And so when we take communion in faith, we're saying, you know, as far as I know, I am at harmony with God and with my fellow Christians um, and my fellow uh, Christians. And if we can't say that, it's better not to take communion than to do that. Because in so doing, we are often um, doing what Judas did, taking the bread of cursing rather than the bread of blessing. Um, there's been the, the problem of being a priest is that I kind of have to take communion, um, whether I'm mad at anybody or not. <laughs> I'll tell you what, every Sunday, I have to do an examination of my conscience and my relationships and my, um, how I f am thinking about other people and talking about other people and feeling towards other people. And um, it is always something that weighs on me heavily, something that I want to take seriously because of those warning passes, because of the story of Judas. I don't want to be a Judas because I know I carry within my bones the propensity to do what Judas did. And so does every Christian, every apostle, every follower of Christ. Because ultimately, his temptation is what um, takes him away from fellowship with Jesus. As Pittman McGee says, if Judas had waited three days, three days, you'd go to Rome and you'd go to the church of St. Judas. But he wasn't able to wait for three days. There is forgiveness for everyone. There is reconciliation open to all. And on this Spy Wednesday, when we think about Judas in a deeper way, we must think about ourselves as well. So Judas, don't you come so close. I'm afraid what I might see. The traitors look upon your face. You look too much like me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Suffrages be... O Lord, save thy people and bless thine heritage. Govern them and lift them up forever. 
day by day we magnify thee, and we worship thy name ever, world without end. Vouchsafe, O Lord, to keep us this day without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded. O Lord God, whose blessed Son, our Savior, gave his back to the smiters and hid not his face from shame, grant us grace to take joyfully the sufferings of the present time in full assurance of the glory that shall be revealed through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.